Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Theology Thursday. Today we're actually going to be wrapping up our uh, long discussion we've been having on prayer. And uh, But yet, even though today was the last day of it, um, is by no means the least of them. Uh, because what I want to cover today is something very important. Because even though we can all pray, it's very important for us to realize that prayer is probably, as a Christian, the gutsiest thing that you're ever going to do. Now, to explain this, we have to really take a look at um, the fact there's many different aspects of prayer, and we've talked about some of those already. And um, But when a lot of us think about prayer, we think of going before God, uh, going in with a list of things that we have need of, or that we know that other people that we um, have connections with, what they have need of. And even though that's important, and God does ask us to do this, he tells us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Uh, but at the same token, if that is where our prayer stops, <clears throat> excuse me, it is to reduce Jesus to nothing more than a spiritual Santa Claus. That here's the list of things that I want, and yeah, some of those may be needs, but here's my list, so God, will you fill my needs? And then when we feel he doesn't come through, or doesn't come through the way that we want, we begin to think, well, maybe he doesn't love us, or how could a God who says he loves me not answer my prayer? And we've really, as I said, reduced Jesus to this concept of nothing but a Santa Claus, or maybe a genie of sorts, um, that is just there to meet our every demand. And that is not his purpose. His purpose is to bring this world back into right relationship with him. And yes, there are things that happen in our lives that are a result of sin, it's a result of the fall, and we bring those requests before him and, and he meets those needs as he sees fit. But it's understanding that he is sovereign, it's understanding that he is Lord, and that it's about him fulfilling his ultimate purpose. And his ultimate purpose is not necessarily my comfort. And though he loves me and though he wants to meet my needs. Okay, so there's, there's the, the catch, if you will, in, in, in the midst of it all. Uh, so, but it helps us when we begin to understand his level of sovereignty. That means that we also trust that he knows what's best for us. And that he knows what's best in the lieu of all the situations around. Because, again, my comfort is not his number one priority. It was, Jesus' comfort was not his number one priority. His number one priority was to see a world brought back in relationship with him, and it meant his son having to go through some suffering to see people redeemed. And sometimes that may be the same case for us. Maybe sometimes amidst our suffering, others are coming to a greater knowledge of who he is and, and a greater desire to want to seek him out. 
think of this whole COVID-19 thing. That's one thing we're seeing that's happening. People are beginning to seek God out, wondering what is going on, um, or feeling like maybe there's a greater purpose in all this. There seems to be an increase in the number of people that are really seeking God and getting involved in church services or getting involved with other people that are believers to try to get a handle on this. Um, so we do want to bring those needs, but prayer is much more than just bringing our needs. Prayer is intercession. And when I think about Ephesians chapter 6, it's a very popular passage. We read all about the armor of God there. We read about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, uh, having the shield of faith, having the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, um, and after we have gone through um, you know, all these things, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, um, we tend to stop there with, with, with those things and think that that's the extent of it. But he actually goes on at the end of that to talk about one more item. And after he says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, in verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, praying also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So we see prayer is a big piece, but what kind of praying? Well, he says here, all prayers. But as soon as he says that, he says, now with this in mind, that brings him into a very specific type of prayer. And that prayer is praying for others. It's what we call intercession. But it isn't just praying for others. It's praying for others that God's will will be performed, right? What will be accomplished. And so when I say that prayer is the gutsiest thing you'll ever do, it's this kind of praying that I am talking about. It's the fact that we're willing to stand in the gap for others. It's that we're willing to pray through to see the advancement of God's kingdom. And now when we do that, we have to understand something. The enemy isn't going to like it. And I don't want to become Satan focused here, but we've got to understand that there is a real enemy. That is why we must put on the armor, right? So we can be protected against the wiles of the devil, it talked about. And so that when we go into that place of prayer, we ourselves are protected. Okay, so we want to make sure that we are interceding for others. Now, why do I say this is gutsy? Is it just because the enemy is going to be angry with us? Well, it's much more than that because he is powerful. And his ultimate purpose is to see God's plans thwarted. It's to see God's plans come to no avail. In fact, I want to draw our attention to 2 Kings chapter 6 for a moment. And there we read about Elisha and how he... Uh, had taken on the Aramaeans. Okay, and I want to read just verses, um, starting about verse 8. It just kind of gives us an idea here. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, and that would be Elisha, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. 
This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel, because he thought it was happening within his own camp. They said, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Well, how is he getting this information? Well, he's getting it through God, because why? He's spending time in prayer. He's spending time seeking the Lord for his divine purposes. Verse 13, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he said, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? And my Lord, there is not the Lord Almighty. That is uh, the servant referring to Elisha. Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward them, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike the armies with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And so uh, what we have happening here is we have a great man of God who is willing to stand in the gap, who is willing to intercede on behalf of Israel. In the midst of that intercession, the Lord speaks to him. See, he doesn't just take time to pray. He actually takes time to listen for the word of the Lord. And so in that time of quiet, in that time of silence, the Lord or the Lord speaks to him and shares with him what's going to go on. So then he goes, tells the king of Israel. But what happens as a result of this intercession? The king gets enraged. And does he send one man? Does he send a few men? No, it says he actually sends an army. And that is amazing to me. He sends an army to conquer one man. He, and in the midst of this, the servant who is looking on gets his eyes on the circumstances and gets overwhelmed. But Elisha maintained his spiritual focus and was able to help his servant understand, look, there's a lot more for us than against us here. And so that is the key in going into battle, that battle being through intercession. It's to understand that, yes, when we stand in the gap, expect that the enemy is going to get angry. When we begin to take back ground that the enemy has stolen, he is not going to sit back and just let us do it. He is going to try to discourage us. He's going to try to uh, defeat us. He's going to maybe even try coming against those that we love in an aspect to try to get through to us. So that what? So that we'll get our eyes off the spiritual concept and get our eyes on our natural circumstances and get overwhelmed and buckle under the pressure. Our need in the midst of all this is to always make sure we remain our, um, spiritually focused. Okay, so a few things I want us to understand as we go into spiritual warfare through intercession. One is this, crave and pray for spiritual vision. Because the greatest victory that the enemy will ever have is to convince people that there is no enemy. So we must always understand that there is an enemy at work, and that enemy is Satan and his forces. But we are on the greater side. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And so, but we need to really begin to crave. God, help us to see things the way that you see them. Not to look at things in the natural, but to begin to look at things in the spiritual. In that, I am not saying that we need to look for a demon behind every bush. 
But we do need to understand that there are lots of times that things do happen in the natural that have a spiritual connection. Take it before God first, not last. And seek him, seek his direction, seek his power in it. So pray for that spiritual vision to keep your eyes focused. The second thing is realize that there is an enemy strategy at play. He is seeking to take us out. He is wanting to defeat us. So we have to understand that he does have a strategy. Know how he tends to attack. Know that if he cannot get, he'll, he'll look for the weak areas in your life to attack you first. But if we get those things sheared up under the presence of God, then what he will do is he will begin to go after those that are closest to us. And he'll begin to allow things to, to rise up there. It might be in family, it might be at work, but he'll try to come at us from indirect sources to discourage us. And so realize and recognize what strategies he has out there and begin to pray against those things. And then the third thing I would encourage you to do is launch a counterattack. And the only counterattack that's going to work is going to be God's. And I want to draw our attention to Joshua for that one. Joshua was a great, mighty man of God. He was a mighty warrior. Uh, he was the one that took Israel into all the battles after Moses had led them out of the wilderness. And as they were uh, getting ready to go take the promised land, Moses dies and Joshua steps in and takes over. But as mighty as Joshua was and as much knowledge as he had in warfare, you read through the Old Testament, you will find that Joshua continuously, the first thing that he did is he went before the throne of God in prayer, asking him what he should do. And then he did as the Lord commanded. So he never relied on his own earthly ability, his own natural talent. He always submitted that to the presence of God and to the power of God and allowed God to take it to new levels and new heights. So that is the counterattack that we need to launch. We need to understand no matter what we know, no matter how good we are at what we think we do, no matter what a great spiritual leader you might be, or pastor, or ministry head, I don't care what the case is, never get yourself full of pride to the point that we begin to think that somehow we're doing it. it understanding that if it's going to have real power, it's only going to be that which God pours into it. So bring the skills that we have, lay them at the throne, allow God to show us how to use them and direct them. So ask him for vision to be able to keep your eyes focused on him, to be able to see the enemy for who he is, see his strategies, so that we then can launch a counterattack through prayer, through intercession, calling not on our own skills and power, but upon God's divine authority and his divine power to take the enemy down. Prayer truly is the gutsiest thing that you will ever do when we are willing to take prayer beyond our current areas of comfort into the divine area of destiny to see God's plans come to fruition. That's how I want to be used in my prayer, and I hope it is where you want to be used as well. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Um, be sure to join us tomorrow for Front Runner Friday, where we talk about spiritual leadership, and um, looking forward to that discussion. And so until then, hope you have a great day. May God bless you. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. 
You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.